Hey, Janet. Hey, Kent. I don't have a dad joke for us. <gasps> you didn't have it No. Up? Okay, I got one. Hey, Janet. Hey, Kent. Oh, I've already done that one. <laughs> <laughs> if a child refuses to sleep during nap time, are they guilty of resisting arrest? Yes. I didn't but know. But A space. Yeah. R-E-S-T. I love that. I didn't know that they had an option. <laughs> Who gives children options? Come on. <laughs> Word. Hey, this is Manny versus Mommy. I'm Janet. I'm Kent. We're super happy to be here. What's happening? What's happening? I can't do a Midwestern it's like the, Yeah, it's the only way I get... It's the only time I feel like that shows up. What's happening? <laughs> I don't know why. So let's start with our brought to you by. What are you brought to a, us by this week? Uh, I'm brought to you by Dr. Pepper from McDonald's. Tell me why. Because it's the most amazing thing in the world. It is. And you know what I learned recently? I've been selling a Coca-Cola coin. And I learned that they are the only... McDonald's is the only distributor that still has their product show up in stainless steel. Not plastic bags. And I've heard that they double filter their water as well. So it is the best place. A buck a drink. Oh, that's so Hashtag good Hashtag sponsor too. us McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. Okay, We're loving so... It. Oh, well, it's all about me, which is totally fitting for our topic today. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about me. Um, I am brought to you today by Sackerson. It is a theater group that does the most amazing, unique, immersive experiences. Did you go to Sonder? No. I don't think you made it. Uh, that's a no, like, I don't want to go that deep. It is very emotional. It's very, it's very connected. You cry. That was a no because I wasn't invited. I hope you and your sister Jalen had fun. Thanks for thinking of me. Of course. Anytime. (laughs) No, we're going again. I'm glad it was some sister time. We haven't had it for several months. We try to have it once a month or so. Um, so it worked out that way. So it's called a brief waltz in a little room. 23 short plays about Walter Iyer. So very impactful, I think, from a Utah culture um, perspective specifically. They are doing runs through October, I heard. I thought it was a really limited run. Sonder was. Um, But you can get show details. It's limited to 10 audience members per show. That's it? Yeah. So it's a very intimate experience. It was very much my own. Jalen and I, of course, had very different responses to the experiences that we saw and that's true every time you go that's why i'm excited to go back because we saw things in the same room differently i had no idea i go into this one room so it's a little room you step into and you rotate through the different rooms for different kind of snapshots and and for me that was the idea is that this it's this snapshot of what our lives are We don't remember everything. With the kids, I'm like, is this an experience they're going to remember forever? I mean, probably not. Wait, did you take the kids with you? No. Oh. No, no, no. Just in general. Because that's the whole audience right there. (laughs) It's true. Uh, We're just going to take over. Do you give a group discount? (laughs) Um, But no, it just like experiences in their lives. Is it something that's going to last with them? Do I play games often enough with them that they say my mom always played games with me? You know what I mean? That kind of stuff, like what sticks, because these are moments that obviously stuck for him and kind of in an artistic way portray what his life was like. So uh, anyway, I highly recommend it's just Sackerson.org, S-A-C-K-E-R-S-O-N. Tell them that Manny versus Mommy sent you because we're definitely going back, honestly. Like, I can't wait. I'll probably see it at least twice more. See, and to me, it sounds like the beginning of like a okay horror film like oh come to this art exhibit we'll separate you and have you be alone in this room the knives come out of the walls or some, <laughs> something no there it's very peaceful it's yeah it's emotional and you know it's better if you buy in it's better if you get that buy-in of being engaged and feeling with the person that's sitting across from you sharing their experience even though they're a stranger so it's cool is now a good time to talk about Stranger Danger? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> what are we what are we gonna talk about today, Janet? Do you feel like you're entitled to a topic? I'm entitled you feel to like everything. I'm supposed to come up with the topic because it's all about you? I thought that you would want to come up with a topic because it's all about you. Well, I have a topic. Are you ready? 
I am ready. We're going to discuss the 25 things you like most about me. Because you are so entitled. (laughs) Yes, we're talking about entitlement today. So I found a really interesting article that I wanted to share with you, if you don't mind. I'll just begin us off. Let's hear. So it's from, let me pull up the website. The Philippine Star. So Tell me more. Like this uh, global news outlet that's based in the Philippines. Okay. So the author is James Michael Lafferty. He does not sound Filipino. No, he okay. is very much white, but I did not do much research about him. That's fair. He so, wrote an article for this publication, for this so yep. we're great. And the article that he has written is called The Deadliest Mindset of All, Entitlement Mentality. So I want to read just a couple paragraphs, and again, feel free to interrupt me. But I got a Like I of... need permission. <laughs> so funny. <clears throat> <clears throat> My friend and fellow star columnist, Wilson Flores, made an astute observation in one of his recent columns. Having interviewed more than his fair share of true rags-to-riches success stories, Wilson found it compelling that a majority of these business titans have lost one or both parents at a very young age, Hmm. and were hence forced by circumstance to step up and provide for the family in a tangible manner. Henry Sai and John Gokonongwe, and I completely apologize for butchering that, are just a few examples of this dynamic. The role of adversity in developing a person's full potential has well been documented. And then he goes on to talk about his friend who's blind, who's a mountain climber. Let's skip down just a little bit. In a sense, adversity is a vaccination for the worst disease a human being or organization or an entire society can catch. It is a disease that rips out the soul of a person, yet leaves the heart still beating. It leaves people alive physically, but broken mentally. It leaves weakness instead of strength. It leaves dependent individuals instead of independent ones. It results in playing a game of pass the blame when things don't go as planned. Mm. It's a disease I would not wish on anyone, and it's called the entitlement mentality. The online definition states, an entitlement mentality is a state of mind in which an individual comes to believe that privileges are instead of rights, And that they are to be expected as a matter of course. It just sucks the initiative, the self-determination right out of a person. Hardworking, self-made men or women pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They work hard. They never give up. They fail many times before they succeed. They have a family. And driven by love, blinded by love, these parents desire to ensure that my kids will never go through what I went through. Be it loss of a parent or other forms of adversity... They seek to shield their kids from the pains that they endure, and their hearts are in the right place. This is born out of love and nothing else. But what many fail to realize, myself included, is that by depriving our children of hardship, we deprive them of the very experiences and learnings that shaped the parents. If a child grows up getting everything they want, having every sharp corner in life covered by mommy or daddy, then suddenly this is how life really is in their belief system. A good life is no longer a privilege, but a God-given right. They shouldn't have to work for it. Living in luxury is an expectation, and there is anger if one doesn't get it and get it easily. And I've heard something. I, I love that. And, you know, you can read the whole article if you're interested. Oh, you I think it's amazing. It. it goes through the development of the United States as a country and the yeah, culture of... the entitlement mm-hmm. mentality that shifted over the years as a society. And I think it's really interesting... That with entitlement, people tend to be stuck in that teenage egotistical phase. What we the would teenage call, chair, Michelle. yeah, so yeah, the adolescent chair. The adolescent that's chair, exactly that's right. right. And and if you can't move out of that space into the adult chair or sit in the emotion with the coping skills you have in your child chair, how do you move past that? I think you say stuck in that entitlement place because mm-hmm. it's like you said. And I think it mentioned in the article, it's when privileges are now viewed as rights. As rights. Yep. Yeah. And that's... Like and... the right to wear biker shorts. That's a privilege. That is a privilege, not a right. I can't remember what 90s movie that's from. <laughs> Somebody let me know. But biker shorts are a privilege. Spandex. Spandex is a privilege, not a right. It might be from Hackers. 
But yeah, there's a big difference. So I, I had an interesting experience this last week. My dad's health has not been great, so he's been in and out of the hospital, and it's really just kind of a toss-up of how much longer we'll have him with us. And he sat me down and he said, is there anything from your childhood that you want to talk about, that you want to clarify, that you want to express to me? How Can we just time out for what a big deal that is, that he would do that? Do you know what I mean? Like, that it would occur to him to say... I don't know how long I have left. I want to help work through whatever you need my help with before I'm not here to help anymore. Which is, yeah, that's, that's actually really huge. That's cool. That's big vulnerability. It is. Because he doesn't know what you're going to come at him with. No. And I've been doing weekly, right after we finish recording the podcast, I go over to where he's at and we record childhood memories and he recorded a like half an hour, 45 minute video for his siblings that he wants me to give to his siblings. Where he talks and this about is all based on them. his childhood. His, his childhood, his life, just because he is a very private person and I don't know too much detail, nor did I ever really ask before. And now that I think we're showing interest, it's giving him excitement. It's giving him something positive to look forward to and to do. But he told me that this whole question came out of the fact that my older brother, who's eight years older than me, has some things that he wants to talk and work about and work through with my dad and you know every relationship's individualized and I just told him you know maybe a couple years ago I would have but having grown up having essentially adopted nine kids and working with them like I understand why you were gone a lot I understand why these things happened the way that they did and there are no hurt feelings there are no upset things you know there are things I wish we could have changed but you know, that doesn't mean too much. So I thought for me, you know, a pat on my back <laughs> is that I've tried hard not to have an entitlement mentality. And I think when he approached me with, if there's anything you want to work through, I'd already worked through everything. Well, aren't you just missed your fancy pants? Maybe I should work through them with him, but... Do you need a gold star? I do. But I think that that kind of goes to show that you can reframe what you thought as negative experiences. Because when I was growing up, mm-hmm. it's not fair. It's not fair my dad's always gone. It's not fair he's not like this. It's not fair that he's not like this. And, you know, growing up in a community that's also a church community, you know, I got to know my friend's dad's a lot because we did spend a lot of time doing camping and things like that. That he and, couldn't do and couldn't go to. No, and he did go when they did, like, fathers and sons. He would make every effort to go. And we went to, I think, every single one of them. Oh, that's awesome. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But there was a lot of, why isn't, that's not fair. Why didn't my dad get a four-wheeler and drive us around on Halloween to go to the good houses to get the candy? <laughs> like the neighbors did down the street. Instead yeah. of, a, thank you for inviting me along with you guys so I can ride in your four-wheeler. Yeah, that reframing is huge. And I think the gratitude journal feeds into that. You know, because it, it shifts. Okay, how can I see this experience differently with my adult eyes? How can I sit in that adult chair and feel the feelings of disappointment or jealousy or whatever comes up and then understand I don't have to stay in that adolescent spot of that sucked and it wasn't fair. I can look at it and go, wow, I had a dad that worked that hard to make sure that we didn't go without. Yeah. And I honestly, and he filtered we out never, never went without in our family ever. My dad works so hard. We even went to Disneyland almost every year of my life. From Utah. From Utah. Yeah, it's not like you lived right nearby. Yeah, with five kids and my grandma and aunts. There was typically nine of us, sometimes ten. in a big van. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know what that's like. (laughs) We're all going somewhere, getting the big old van. And my dad did not enjoy Disneyland. He is not a Disney fan. Fanatic, I should say. But he knew how much all of us enjoyed it. So he worked hard to provide that opportunity for us. That's so cool. So I think in talking with my siblings... Sharing that perspective with them has kind of changed some things. And I remember, just real fast while I reminisce, that I did have really good moments with my dad growing up. Like, one of them was at Disneyland. Everyone was, like, tired and wanted to go back to the hotel. We had been there all day and it was hot. And so everyone, I believe, left, except for my dad and I. He's like, let's go on some rides. And we went on Splash Mountain, which I was terrified of. And he's like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And right as we got to the very top, right before the big drop, 
the fireworks started showing for Fantasia. Oh, wow. So I remember distinctly dropping and we go around a little bend and just watching the fireworks and just an amazing, amazing moment. Right. And those are those moments as a parent that your dad could have had no idea. He probably doesn't really remember it, but it impacted you and you've hung on to it. Oh, he remembers it because I talk time. about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But would he have In the moment, I'm sure it didn't mean. Yeah. yeah. No. And there's things that I've talked to my mom about over the years. And I'm like, this really hurt when you, when you said this to me. And she has no recollection of it. She does because I've told her. But it's something I've hung on to for, I don't know, 27 years now. Like, it was just something that impacted me that much. But that doesn't mean I'm entitled to happiness. That doesn't mean I'm entitled to XYZ because things happened when I was a kid. Everybody has stuff happen, you know? It's like we talk about if someone was wearing a sign, I've seen a meme going around recently that everyone you meet is fighting a fight club you know nothing about because we don't talk about fight club. Right? Like that to me is even better than the sign I totally stole that from our love child, Elaine, and put it on my Facebook. Yes, I love it. It's so true. We don't talk about Fight Club. And there's many reasons for that. Let's ask Brene Brown about vulnerability. (laughs) But I actually came across some things, um, because I know you were kind of going over the entitlement topic, but I found something that talked about, um, it's from A Conscious Rethink. A Conscious Rethink.com. Good luck spelling. Um, but it's by a guy named Sam Edwards. And this was from very recently. This was August 14th of this year. Um, and they start off by saying self-entitlement is when an individual perceives themselves as deserving of unearned privileges. Like we talked about how the privileges are then be viewed as a right. So yeah, if they're viewing themselves that they have these privileges that should be theirs when they didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. So those are the people who believe that life owes them something, you know, whether it's a reward, a measure of success, or a particular standard of living. And there's five things that Sam covers talking about how you can identify when you're dealing with an individual like that because they've got the following five traits. Like the alphabet, I comes before you, right? (laughs) So it's just all about them expectation that you should be far more interested in their lives. <clears throat> I'm looking around for an intervention sign right now <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> Just kidding. This is not an actual recording episode, but thanks for being here. Come on in, you guys. No, no intervention. Because you are not a narcissist, which obviously falls into that realm. That's the heart of that trait. You know, over-exaggerated sense of self-importance. A lot of them have... These fantasies of power and beauty and brilliance, grandiosity. Jamie, does it not sound like she's explaining, (laughs) describing me right perfectly? Okay, so we're getting under uh, the fact that Kent is not a narcissist, but maybe entitled. Just um, all powered. Um, But here's the thing that doesn't apply to you. Everyone else is either competition, threatening their own success, or irrelevant. So maybe in your case, more irrelevant. To me, they'd be more confrontational but it's a my way or the highway kind of thing right they don't take personal responsibility for their actions oh that's my biggest pet peeve in life well and they typically will have quote this course may be fruitful for them oh a meticulous route to success is chartered and followed this course may be fruitful for them but they are totally unaware of the carnage that lay in their wake complete denial about any personal responsibility unaware or don't care (laughs) <laughs> see this blissfully ignorant yes okay so just the all about me kind of mindset um and like a self-absorbed teen you know just somebody that's stuck in that adolescent chair of i'm the only thing that matters i don't care if it's affecting other people i don't want to feel i'm just going to continue running from it and making it all about me um what's yours is mine and what's mine is my own I mean, that's just kind of self-explanatory, right? (laughs) Ungrateful attitudes are directed towards you when you have performed a good deed for them. So you might constantly change your pattern to accommodate appointments, make things work around for them, and that's never reciprocated even when you really knew it. 
need it. I actually or have acknowledged a friend, even like sometimes not even acknowledged. Okay. Yeah. The fact that there's a need there. And even if it is expressed, they're so unwilling to help out, even though you just did X, Y, Z for them when you didn't have time for it. And we've talked a lot about the codependency and where that comes from. But if you're coming from a place of genuine support, it's still easy to get sucked into that resentment of, are you kidding me? I need this one thing and you can't even be bothered to help me out. I have a friend who uh, is caring for her mom and she takes her to all of her appointments. Like she always helps her out. She was in the hospital with her when she was there. Very supportive. She lets her live there, I think for free. I don't know. And she ended up having, so my friend ended up needing to go to an appointment for her eye, like a neurological ophthalmologist, right? So like an eye doctor that's all connected to your brain because there's some weird stuff going on for her. So it's a very serious appointment. She can't drive home. Her eyes are going to be dilated. Her eyes end up being dilated for like five days. I thought you were going to say years for a second. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, that would be worse. This is a but I get my eyes dilated for the afternoon and I'm like, oh, this oh. is miserable. Yeah. She had to take drops for like five days so she couldn't drive. Oh. So she asked her mother if she would take her and her mother was like, oh, I have this. I have this appointment. Sorry. I have a nail appointment. <laughs> Can't be bothered. So then that can be, you know, easily moved. And then she realized later, hey, actually, um, that appointment doesn't conflict. So it turns out I can help you out. But that was secondary to just saying no, because I have an appointment. So it's stuff like that. Just no reciprocity that we typically experience in our culture. Number three, expectation of privilege is so great. It leaves equality feeling like oppression. Wait, say that again. Mm hmm expectation of privilege is so great it leaves equality feeling like oppression so if i'm an entitled individual i am so entitled to my privilege that when things are actually equal i feel like you're oppressing me what do you mean you get equal standards right that feels like oppression Hmm. sense of superiority is there in people that are self-entitled, they have the intention to start from the top of the ladder without having to work from the bottom up like most people, yeah. right? They think they're afforded those privileges. Someone cut in front of you in the line in the supermarket oh. or reserving a seat in a you know purchase prior to eating fast food restaurant, leaving you with no food, no seed, like... But you have to look deeper in that situation, according to Sam, because an expectation of privilege can be hidden in the very essence of who we are. A higher rate of pay due to gender, which we've argued back and forth about whether that's a thing. It's been disproven. Preferential treatment at a bar due to age or okay, social hold on. opportunity Before due to class. Before we move on, class. if companies and corporations are so greedy and awful, wouldn't they do everything they could and just hire females at less? Oh, yeah. No, I don't disagree. Okay, let's move on. Okay. Back to what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, not, not what we're talking about. Maybe another episode. But we'll get into that. some people with um, this mentality of feeling like equality equals oppression overrate their own achievements, simultaneously underrating yours, creating in their head this justification for their expectation of privilege. So I'm going to puff myself up and put down your achievements so we're not on equal ground because that justifies me in feeling better. Because I'm entitled to privilege. Can I tell you right? something really funny? Of course. So growing up in our neighborhood, which is also our church congregation, we lived up pretty high on the mountain, in the foothills. Mm-hmm. So we had what we called the uppers. <laughs> yes. And then we had the lowers because, you know, we're on the side of a mountain. And so you're all in the same church community. Same church yeah. community. And pretty much your church community is your neighbors and your whole social Unless you Circle. live in Arkansas. Unless you live in Arkansas. Then Which it's a little different. Which we talked about, yeah. So we had what we called the uppers. And it was just kind of like a running joke. Like, oh, you're part of the lowers. It's fine. And it actually evolved into a uppers versus lowers. How so? Really How did weird. that show up? Just because we were teenagers and dumb and... Wouldn't associate with them? Or like, what was the behavior where you saw that showing up? Well, I would never, but people like me would. Sure, my friends. <laughs> Maybe manipulate the situation of you. We you can be adopted into the uppers if you do this. Oh, so we had you know some Kids lowers adopted up, and yeah, we yeah. like you. We'll allow you in if you do X Y Z. Oh, and P.S. 
you always owe us. But because you're strictly lower. because our parents bought a house higher up on yes. the mountain than theirs. Oh, it's so weird. We kind of felt that in the uh, house that we lived in as well. So this house we lived in, where we saw that same thing, it was this idea, yeah, that the the houses up the hill were better. And we did have the same church community. You could definitely tell. People joked about it generally. But I can imagine as a teen, I was an adult. That's how we started. Yeah. Joking as teenagers. and It just carried over. Okay, so two more points from Sam. An angry man or woman who feels his or her anger is just. So fits of rage, whatever they look like. I can't believe I have to work with such morons. All these outbursts flow freely. Like Kent here. I didn't really, I did not read through this thinking of you. I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to process through this with Kent while we record. It's awesome because every time we're done recording, I have a whole list of things to talk to the therapist about. Janet <laughs> oh, brought this to my attention. Oh my gosh. Do you remember that photo we took after we'd both been bawling post-recording? I think we talked and bawled for like an hour and you actually cried. Do you remember? I do. We took that photo. Well, maybe we'll throw that up. I don't know. <laughs> that's Trying to a block super, it from my mind. That's a super vulnerable one. Both of us, our eyes are all red. My eyes are puffy. Yeah. But yeah, that does, it does bring up stuff. And Little. it's funny how we relate to it. I seriously did not read this thinking, oh, this is totally Kent. This is totally Kent. <laughs> and yet that's where you're taking it. And as you do, I'm like... I don't know, that's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> As we do this, I'm like, okay, how do Janet's kids view me? And I think some of them would say that I have these traits. It, you're Some entitled kind of to the control. I just, right? I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see. This will be a good discussion. Interesting feedback from them. Yeah. So a lot of it, I think, is just um, negativity that they can, you know, eye rolls or cutting glance or contempt that can have that simmering negativity that can show up as like cynical or over critical viewpoints. <laughs> for instance, can never praise you for your promotion. Instead, they believe and make clear that you gained it because you were close with your manager, best of a bad bunch about time you were promoted or whatever. And I don't see that in you other than in a joking way, but there's always a little bit of truth to every joke, right? But I don't, I don't think see that's that. true. I don't see the anger as a manipulation for you, but it is for a lot of people who are entitled. I don't, I've never agreed with there's always a little bit of truth into jokes. Because I make some crazy jokes with your with your kids. I almost said siblings. With your kids that I know are completely not true. But it's just a way to kind of... Jabs at them, though, are different, right? There's sometimes where you've struck a chord. <laughs> Unintentionally. And you're like... <gasps> Ooh, oh, maybe shouldn't have joked about that because there is some truth to it. And I didn't realize that truth would be hurtful. And we all do that, you know. So I, I think it's a generalization. I don't think it can be an absolute. I don't like generalizations. Well, would you rather have an absolute where I feel like there is truth to every single joke? Because that's what I'm saying. It's just, you know, overall, it's true. Anyway, poor little old me. That's number five. Ugh. When it doesn't, when their dominant, their aggressive behavior doesn't help them reach their goals, the case of the poor me's breaks out. Self-pitying attitudes, you hear it, coupled with manipulation, attention-seeking conduct. They're very draining at that point. You know, you see entitlement pop up, I think, in a lot of mental illness. And one that I've seen it in specifically is borderline personality disorder. Hmm. Because in that one, their emotions drive everything that they see. And so if they're feeling entitled to a privilege and you don't give that to them and their anger and that manipulation doesn't work, then it's woe is me. My kid's dad did that all the time. I am a piece of crap. I am not worth anything. I don't know why you're still with me. <coughs> Excuse me, which now makes it nearly impossible for me to express my feelings about the situation. But isn't that just a manipulation to get the focus off the problem? And <coughs> Yeah, I mean, I can see that. But the way they go about it, if the aggression and, you know, assertiveness of I deserve this, if that doesn't work, then they resort to the poor me. Because you don't generally, I don't kick a dog while he's down. Right? I'll take any chance to kick it off. 
<laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, well, I mean, little truth to every joke. <laughs> Have I ever kicked Titus in front of you? In front of you. A liar. Kicker. No. That's the kicker with the kicker. I'm the kicker. But yeah, when the when those things don't work, the self-pitying, because, you know, there's this idea that the rules don't apply to them. They'll be sure that if they complain loudly enough, if they feel they're being, you know, shortchanged, you know, let's say a group of you are putting together a presentation for work or you're collaborating something at school and one person falls short of meeting their share of the hard work. Yet that is the same person that expects the largest amount of credit when it goes well. Right. And that individual will desert a sinking ship if it doesn't. Right. They're going to completely dissociate. Oh, I didn't have anything to well, do so with so it. Well, so this part and that's what failed. Mm-hmm. In <clears throat> yeah. They misinterpret their feelings as facts, which is very flagship with borderline. That triggers me. <laughs> feelings as facts and others are blamed. Right. Mm-hmm. And when that pops up, you know, for whatever situation they find themselves in, you know, they're chronically disappointed. But behind all that is honestly a person who just genuinely wants to be admired and adored. They're in constant need of validation from their peers while demanding respect. Even though their bank account is big enough, I'm in. (laughs) Yay, hey, I don't disagree. (laughs) I don't disagree there. But yeah, you do see it pop up as demanding respect because that's in their mind been earned Mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm entitled to that. So a lot of times I think it shows up as insecurity. You know, we've seen that with arrogance and control. I did at least growing up. I was like, Man, that dude is super insecure. I'm so sorry he deals with that every day. And as I sit in my adult chair more and more, that's how I see it. I'm like, that's sad. You know, I had a guy um, talking to me about somebody at work who was treating him this and that way. And I said on the phone, one of the clients and throwing a fit and this. And I said, can you imagine what his life is like if he has time to call in and complain about the interaction with you and took offense to something that wasn't meant to be offensive. Can you imagine living inside his head? So my mom, years and years ago, told a story to me that's really stuck with me about a guy that was feeling sorry for himself, was feeling like life wasn't good, just really in a low spot. And he walked around the neighborhood. He just went out for a walk. And as he was walking, he'd look at a house and think of the family Mm-hmm. That lived in that house, and uh, I wish I lived, had that family, or I wish I, you know, was this person. And then he would stop and think about what that family's been through. Yeah. And I could just be making it up, or I could be remembering. I want to say that he was a bishop, so a local leader of the congregation, so he would have known probably more intimately the problems of that family. Sure. Or just some of the struggles they had been through. And as he walked house to house, by house to house, and thinking about those things, he realized, oh, maybe my life isn't so bad. Mm. So my mom challenged me when I was younger to do that because I went through a really bad stage of entitlement and just that teenage, that adolescent chair ego of, of life. And she says, and if you don't know about them, then just imagine the worst thing possible for that family. Yeah. And then move on to the next house. Because they ain't talking about their fight club. No. Nobody's going to share their problems, especially now with social media. It's, you know, the highlight reel of all the good things. For the most part, I feel like there is kind of getting to be a shift of more vulnerability, which is great because there are people that post pictures of their messy houses. And and I don't think from the people who've done that, that it comes from a place of validate me. It's so much more of, I just want you to know this is my real life. Yeah. Like, I don't talk about this part of it on social media generally, but... Here it is. Here's how my day went. And a lot of people that go, oh, girl, same. (laughs) Like, I think it makes it easier to relate to that other people are going through that. So that's just always stuck with me that every single person really does have problems. And I don't know what their problems are. So if I don't know, I feel like I'd rather be them or... I'm jealous of them. I just create some massive problem that they have in their life. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> oh, I don't want to be them. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's that, I should look it up, but there's this um, allegory of a 
community of individuals who carry around a, a stick their entire life. At a young age, they're assigned their stick. Some are long and skinny and some are wider and fat and some are knobby and some are completely smooth, some are curved, right? Everybody's stick they carry is different. And a lot of people complain about it. Oh, I wish I had one like yours. It's so beautiful and mine's so ugly. Or I wish I had one like yours because it's so much lighter to carry around. You know, all these reasons why they wanted a different stick than what they were given. So then they have an opportunity to go down to the, you know, town center um, community area and they all get the opportunity to throw their sticks in a pile. They all go in together and they can choose whichever one they want. So they decide on an order of who gets to go first. And one by one, every single village member walks up to the pile and takes back their own stick. Because they're familiar with it? Yeah, why is that? Because when you look deeper, do you really want to trade? Do you? I mean, what you know and what you're given in your life is designed for you and your growth. So how can you grow with somebody else's experiences? You know, we talked about that with the family man. <laughs> Life is completely different, right? Yeah. The different choices that you make and the different lessons that you're given to learn in life. But to circle back to the entitled people, they're just entitled to all of it without that struggle. Right? I think people that are on one end of the spectrum feel like they don't have to work for it. I'm going to start at the top of the ladder. Because I, who I, you know, who I know or what family I was born into, or maybe it comes from nowhere, but a place of narcissistic mental illness of, <laughs> you know, I didn't come from anything, but I don't have to because I'm amazing. I'm grandiose. I'm, I'm who I am. And you should give me that respect just because yeah. I don't have to earn it. So I think that's one end of the spectrum. How do you, how have you found when you do get that sense of entitlement to something, because we all do. Yeah. What have you found yeah. that brings you more back to center? Uh, karma really comes and slaps <laughs> me around. <laughs> it's, it's usually a karma intervention. Uh, a lot How of do it... you recognize it as that, though? Because people who are genuinely entitled and want to stay there feel so attacked by something like that. They don't recognize it as karma for the maybe not so great things they've done, you know? How do you recognize that? Um, I think it's just because uh, I've been putting forth a real effort to be more mindful How so? of others, of their feelings, of what they're going through. How, so, how have I been doing it or why? Yes. Well... How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I think more of the practical. I How think it's have you just, been doing it? I think it's just because of a midlife, quarter life. I don't know where I'm at in my life. Half Essentially, life. Half yeah. life. Midlife. Half life. Just a crisis of what am I doing? What's going on? I mean, this last year, everything has changed in my life so drastically that I have no choice but to really confront it and really work through it. No, it's not true. You're making choices to do it. Because I think some people go through changes like that and don't ever recover. They shut down in whatever way. Or they feel so entitled they don't work through it. Well, yeah. Give yourself I mean, some I, credit. I did shut down for a while. I watched like 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy in two and a half months. I do remember that. Yeah. Which is fine. Served so its I just purpose. shut down and then it was like, I don't want to live this life. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to feel these feelings. How do I change that? What do you, what have you found that's the most helpful? Uh, gratitude. Yeah. So meditation. instead of meditation, gratitude, oh, meditation daily, two or three times. It's just, um, it's a crucial part for me. But I think just really acknowledging that, yeah, my life's not where I want it to be and it's different, but also I've got really good friends that have come and supported me. I don't have to worry about paying my bills on time. Like there's so many good things, good qualities that have happened that have come through all this that I really don't have too much to be upset about. And instead of being upset and why me, I'm going to use that energy to just build and make those things better. Yeah. I think that's in the, in the good moments that feels so good. And in the not so good moments, it's so hard to keep that perspective, at least for me. 
-hmm. You know, I haven't picked up my gratitude journal in too long. You know, it's probably pushing a week. Haven't meditated in about that long. And I don't know why the consistency is so hard for me. But one of the things I'm trying to figure out is the benefits of working through those self-defeating behaviors Mm -hmm. and really pushing past that sense of entitlement to happiness or a fully functional brain (laughs) that doesn't have bipolar, you know, like it is what it is. And I, I don't know, it's just tough to be consistent in doing those things that you know work. I feel better when I eat healthy. Why am I off the wagon with keto? You know, because carbs are amazing. Carbs are amazing. (laughs) They're so great. Some bread. I feel horrible when I eat them. But in the moment, it tastes so good. A moment Mm -hmm. on the lips, right? I think a lot of it also comes with realizing that your kids are picking up some of my traits, like road rage. Your little (laughs) five year old is screaming in the back seat at a car, and I'm like, oh, okay, so that's mirroring me exactly. I've even told Jamie, if I start freaking out at other drivers, you have permission to punch me. Just be like, hey, stop. Because it's mirrored so much in your five-year-old who drives around with me all the time. Right. I remember when you first noticed that she was having road rage when there was nothing going on. It's like, Genevieve, it's a red light. I cannot go. I can't go. go legally, you see all like... these cars going? If I went, they would hit me. Go! Go! <laughs> we have somewhere to be, which is a phrase I use all the time. We have somewhere to be. So I think also just the fear of what am I going to pass on to them who are soaking up and noticing these things. And I'd rather it be something positive and good. So in correlation with that, how do you think we proceed not only with ourselves, but specifically with your children and working on entitlement? How is it showing up? Um, I, not as much recently, but I do hear from them, so-and-so did this, or so-and-so got this, and so-and-so, and so they compare with their friends' parents who have two full-time parents, you know, two parents working full-time and maybe one or two siblings. So, yeah, right. they got, you know, the Xbox, the Nintendo for the Christmas. They have a car, yeah. a brand new car that they're driving or, you know, a couple-year-old car that they're driving. That was gifted to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff has happened since you and I were growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, but how? what have you found so far that's working? What have you tried Jamie, you want to chime in at all today or just me? Okay. Um, I think what really helps is just stopping and saying, that is not your reality. That's not your life. That's not your reality. That could be their life. And you can put as much time and attention into their life as you want, or you can work on your life, your reality. Yeah. That's not a reality for you, for us. It's not Changing the view and changing that perspective where you put that energy... You know, where you put that focus, gratitude, mm-hmm. meditation, like coming back to the basics. You know how I enjoy a good rant. No. Oh, what? I do like to how rant. How did I not know that about you? <laughs> my favorite at the very end as I'm winding up my rant as I'm looking for a gif. Gif. I say gif because <gasps> it sounds better. Gif because it's graphic. The word is graphic. Yes. As you're looking for a gif. As I'm looking for a gif as I'm wrapping up to be like, rant over. All right, I'm done. I'm good. And I always end one with that. Okay, I'm done. I've said my piece. That's kind of how I was raised is you say it, you release it. The other person knows how you feel and then you move on. All right. What about their response, though? I mean, that's to be expected. I don't allow responses. Okay, so there's the entitlement. I'm entitled to my opinion to share with you. I don't want to hear yours. Goodbye. And rent. Don't want to discuss it anymore. Well, in this circumstance, what I was thinking specifically about was when they are complaining about so-and-so got this. And then I go into, do you realize all these blessings, all these benefits, all these things that you have that are being provided for you and how much of a sacrifice it is for other people? And try and shift their focus into a gratitude of what they have. Yeah. So that's where my rants will typically go. Shift back to, but here's your, here's the reality. Yeah. So I'll and pull up don't statistics. Make, don't of, make up stories. You know, one in nine Utah children going to bed hungry. Yeah. And then I'll ask your child, when was the last time you went to bed hungry? Like genuinely hungry. Starving. 
where you can't sleep because you're in so much pain because you're hungry. Oh. Never. Yeah, one in nine. That's one of you kids in this family. That statistically nine. speaking. In Utah. Has to go to bed hungry. And I know there's a lot of programs that send home weekend packets. Mm-hmm. A lot of schools that do that. So at least the kids have something until they can get back for breakfast Monday morning, you know? Yeah. Because so. at least they get the two meals a day there. And I also try and correlate it to whatever they're complaining about. Not having a car. Or their car not working. Okay, well, when was the last time you went without a ride? When was the last time that you couldn't do something because you didn't have this car working? Something you had to do. Not something you wanted to do, something you had to do. Yeah. And couldn't get to work. Yeah. There's the majority of people who use Ubers are people who are getting to work and don't have a car. Really? Mm hmm. Studies show, I think, don't quote me on this. But from what I've heard, the majority of people, I think it was in one of the tax reform coalition meetings because they were talking about having to pay a tax on Uber and Lyft services and who that impacts. And it impacts people who are using the service the most, which is people who are just trying to get to work because their car broke down. So we're charging them. Who are already in a difficult financial situation. Who are already, situation. yeah, already Sometimes. working a job that's really difficult for them because they can't afford to fix their car. So then they end up paying more and more for those rides. So, oh, one thing, I know we're getting ready to wrap up. One thing I need to mention is that the Painting with Faith class is now two days away. There <sighs> are a couple of spots available. So please register. You can pay through PayPal. It's only $40. All the materials covered. We're both going to be there. It's going to be a really great time. I'm very excited. The event is on our Facebook page, Manny versus Mommy, just right at the top. So you can get a lot of details and specifics. And it is on Eventbrite as well. If you want to search it there, Manny versus Mommy or Paint Paint Night with Faith. So if there are a couple of spots left. So come join us, paint with us, see what amazing things you can create with therapeutic art is what I call it. Rate, subscribe, review. Oh, I'm not done. I still got a lot to say. We still have more? We still have more. Well, rate, subscribe, review anyway. But still listen before to Before I forgot, this. yeah, before I forgot, I wanted to mention that paint night. Because I'm excited about it. So I really, before we do wrap up, I really want to tie try and tie this in for a plan of action or a goal for us in our own life. So that we can have that happen and start and implementing it in the family life. Fair enough. So what are you going to do? To work on your entitlement. I got to get, first and foremost, I got to get back to doing daily gratitude journal because it makes me focus on it throughout the day. It's not just one of those things where I sit down at the end of my day and go, okay, what was I grateful for and rack my brain? I notice things more like how beautiful the sunrise is when I happen to see it or, you know, something like that that I go, man, I'm grateful I have that in my life. So it helps me focus that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meditation, meditation. And when I stay grounded to a spiritual connection and a connection to my true self, I don't slip into that sense of entitlement as easily as far as like, man, these leads suck at work. I deserve better. I, I should be getting good leads. They should be doing more for us as employees, you know? Yeah. It's easy to get stuck in that instead of realizing I am grateful for a good job. That goes on my gratitude list a lot. And so when I go in with that perspective, if something, there's a bump in the road at work, I'm like, well, I'm grateful that I have a good job. I'm grateful I like the people that I work with. So it shifts that perspective. What about you? I am going to work on managing my emotions better. Not going into those rants so quickly, maybe. Maybe sitting on it for a bit and Mm -hmm. figuring out if it needs to be communicated or how to communicate it. Both. Yeah. Can I, can I admit something? Jamie, cover your ears. I don't want you to hear this. Earmuffs. (laughs) I am going through huge withdrawals because your kids are back in school. It's the weirdest thing. Sitting in your house with just Genevieve. It's fun because. Which you did before. Yeah. Which, you know, was all all last last year. year and the year before. But just being like, oh, I need to tell this kid this. Or, oh, I want to go do this with this kid. Oh, wait, no. That's just Genevieve and I. And it's fun to get, you know, the one-on-one again with her. Because I think that really helps our relationship. Having that time and that attention. But I am like, 
I'm jonesing for some time hanging out with your kids. I wonder if that might help. It just, I was thinking maybe post-it notes. Not notes on your phone, but actual post-it notes. Because then the kids can come home and go, oh, this one's for me. Kent, what does this mean? What did you want to talk to me about? Or That would be fun. <coughs> post-it notes on the hutch, on the glass or something, you know. Just a keyword too, not like. Yeah, like a hint. So you'll remember and they got to come figure it out. But then I'll out. have to put the note in my phone so I remember. Yes. <laughs> otherwise I'm Details like, I have no idea. Phone. It was funny at the time. Details in your phone. Keyword reminder for them. That'll be fun. But I think just being hyper aware of how I react and what choices I'm making and how that can change, like we talked about on our last mini episode, change the environment around us and how I can make sure that the energy is a more positive energy right? and see how that will help the kids. Because I think they'll be a lot more open to discussing their problems if it's a positive energy instead of a, well, you're fine because you have these things. Because they're sensitive to how you feel. Mm-hmm. Most of the kids are very sensitive to that. And if you've left your DNA somewhere in my house, your DNA, wherever that is, is having that same response, right? It feels you emotionally still. Do you ever find purple hairs in your house? (laughs) I don't want to talk about it and where I find them, Kent. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't really. I think I found a couple of your hairs once, but I don't think you lose a lot of hair. I really don't. Because I know that my roommate's like... I found a purple hair here or a purple hair here. When were you over here? I'm like, I don't know. You could never actually use your kill kit. Unless I you want to get caught. I show up with a shaved head sometime. You'll be yes. like, okay, it's happened. And there we are. Okay, Forget so... the DNA. <laughs> In your hair strand. Oh, great. Dang it. So let's, let's follow up. In a couple of episodes, let's follow up and see how we've done with our entitlement, working on our issues and what impacts it's had. Because I think if we don't report, then it will just be a thing that happened. Yeah. I kind of feel like that with keto. <laughs> with everything in life. Uh, lack of consistency. Okay. But yeah, I think it'll be good to follow up and see how it's been working and how it's been impacting the kids. You know, I'll have to take some notes on where we feel like we're seeing that show up. Because I, I feel... think it all starts with us. Because I say, down. you know, because it always, for me at least, comes back to... Michelle Chalfant, the adult chair. Yes. That kids enter the adolescent ego chair typically around seven or eight. Or earlier. Or earlier. So how many of your kids are in this ego chair? Almost all of them. Yeah. Yeah. We need as much help as we can. (laughs) It's a lot of adolescents. Let me show you what the adult chair is. Well, we have five teenagers right now. Yeah. 17, 17, 16, 14, 14. So, and every single one of them is in school. Senior, senior, junior, freshman, freshman, fifth, fourth, second, kindergarten. One year only. They're all in school under the same house. This is the golden year. Yeah, this is it. It shall change. Okay, now you have my permission to rate, subscribe. And we shall return and report. (laughs) 